0: i love being on here with you guys nick and joe i really appreciate it tldr you guys are awesome
1: you guys say what are you gonna say kiddo it's violent show baby no <laughs> no you get gun shy on me all of a sudden and welcome back to tldr i'm your friendly neighborhood backcracker, dr joe with me, as always, is my shy daughter suddenly and my hunk hunking crime. Together we are the Woodward and Bernstein
0: of the Dorkshire Gooniverse. Friar, my guy, how's it going? I thought this was going to be the Nick and Violet show starting today. We had talked about this. Her and I had discussions behind your back.
1: And uh,
0: <laughs> I was really excited for this. And now it looks like she just... You know, you want to go and paint it as cold feet. But to me, it's like she's just trying to stab me in the back. So I'm very much personally offended by this. So I'm going to take you back. We'll keep this as TLDR under the same format. No My Little Ponies in the DSG. Moving forward. Sorry. <laughs> the way she goes. was so
1: excited for it, guys. And and I tell you what, when she she made her little appearance last week. All she's been talking about is having her own show. So, uh, you know. Uh, you know, first audition, a little, little tough, but you know she'll, she'll, she'll get used to it. Yeah. But uh, before, before we get cracking, no pun intended, but mm. intended. Uh, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a start for the Gilmore today, man! I know, right? is unbelievable.
1: I have, uh, I have a huge, 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 huge shout out and thank you uh, to give to to a friend of the show, Sheldon uh, Buchert. Yep. Uh, he's a Canadian artist. He's been doing a ton of phenomenal covers lately. He's been on fire. He's been doing them for, uh, you know, Department of Truth. Uh, he's done a bunch for Something is Killing the Children. And he's he's, uh, he's drawn one of my favorite covers of recent memory. And this was for Radiant Black. Mm. And I'm going to, you know, for those watching at home, I'll pull it up real quick. Um, he, he sent me a signed cover um, of the book. Uh, and I just, I mean, I just love the colors. I love the art there. And then I bought a couple, got a couple of prints for Swaggin's because she's into Spider Gwen. So he sent uh, a package, autograph, beautiful art, huge, huge shout out. Check him out um, on Instagram. Uh, let's see. I should have had that pulled up already, but I didn't because I'm a yutz, Nicholas.
0: You're all thrown off because you didn't think you were going to be on the show at all. It's just Sheld-
1: yeah. Sheldon uh, Bucket Art. We'll put a link to that, you know. I'll tweet out a link to that so people can check that out and his art out and um, absolutely fantastic. One second,
0: yeah, he does some awesome stuff. I mean, I know that the Spider Gwen stuff. You're a big like, obviously, you're, you know, Vi's a big fan of uh, of Spider Gwen, and he does. Some, he's been doing some great stuff. He's done some Department of the Truth stuff too. Um, and uh, but yeah, the, the Spider Gwen was what definitely what jumped out to me most. Uh, but yeah, maybe we'll have to find a way to get him on uh, at some point down the line, Joe, and talk. I know we talked with John Boy about some of his cover work, but I think that. Um, it ended up being a, a deeper conversation about like just being an artist in the business on the whole. Yeah. And where Sheldon's doing a lot of cover art and variants and everything. I'd be curious, like you know, to know his process and maybe talk about some specific covers that he's done and what that whole process is like. Well, that's that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. Um. But it's awesome. The, the stuff that you got, man, is freaking great.
1: Yeah. The spy, I'll, I'll post pictures of it and I'll tweet it out and we'll throw it up on Instagram. But you know, go check him out. He's got a he's got a shop up there and, uh, just just. The, the, the prints he makes are absolutely fantastic so i just wanted to take a second and thank him uh, and i can't wait to hang those bad boys up and so uh with that nicholas we have some catching up to do and i gotta tell you i gotta tell you i'm backed up but i'm also behind on my comic book reading
0: oh jeez. well you know you've given me advice on how to deal with that before the the, the former not the latter so much so i feel like it's kind of ironic that now you can't figure out how to clean yourself out i guess <laughs> I'll but, tell you what, work's really thrown a wrench in my whole comic book reading. Uh, yeah. Oh, are we still talking about the comic books? I was talking about – okay, my oh. bad. Just, <laughs> yeah, well, okay, that's sure. true. Right. We're, we're just off to a rip-roaring star today, uh, pun <laughs> and not intended. But anyways, um, what was I going to say? So I've actually been able to catch up on a few things recently. I, I totally get it with you going back to work and everything, how that would – throw you off. I know like for me, different times, you know, different changes in work is definitely messed with my reading, but you'll power through. I know you will. And I, and you actually, you know, you act like you, you haven't been reading a ton, but the book you're talking about today, you had to read like a bunch of volumes or read like three for this thing. So you've been reading plenty. Let's, let's be honest here. But For me, Mighty Morphin' Thirteen. I will talk a little bit more about the Power Rangers a little bit because there was a a Power Rangers book that came out this week. Um, Undiscovered Country Seventeen, of course, Scott Snyder, Charles Charles Soule. Been enjoying that series. A Man Among Ye Seven, which I think is a solid series. I think that um, like it's you're dealing with kind of like historical fiction and everything, so it's it's that's always kind of interesting. It's a character who who we've we've heard of in the past, but just you didn't get to know a whole hell of a lot about just because she kind of got lost in history, but not a book I would necessarily want to talk about on here it's like it's solid I would say it's a solid book that I continue to read um and, and enjoy but it's just like I don't there's not there's only, there's not a whole lot of depth to it I think it's designed for a younger audience um, more so but still still good nonetheless Philadelphia 18 not for a younger audience probably the most violent issue we've gotten so far from Philadelphia right
1: I, I, I meant to read this the other day and you still haven't oh boy no dude. I I know like I said I told you I'm backed up
0: yeah and
1: um it's a weird funk I've been in but like this is one like this is the most important book I need to read, and I'm really pissed at myself for not reading yet. So, I, I mm. will be diving into that one. This, I'll definitely be have this on my catching up for next week.
0: It's a, it's it was friggin' outstanding. Might have been the best issue to this point, definitely the most violent issue to this point from start to finish. Um, but and then I also on this app called Hoopla for those who haven't heard of it before, it's pretty revolutionary. I feel like I've talked about it on the show before, but you've been, nobody a, else you've, is, been you've been a big supporter. I think you got on onto it, yeah, you know? you just, yeah, absolutely. I've, I don't know why nobody, so it's good. Keith's on it too. I didn't realize that. Um, I don't really. Really waste my time with him too much, you know. I mean, it's, it's you know the lesser podcasts and the DSG. I don't really. I think we're kind of too big time for that. But anyways, um, I I actually read a a trade the first volume of a book that Joe has talked about on this show from a while back. You know. Joe and I read a bunch of different stuff that we've talked about and it comes up in trades later sometimes it doesn't. This is the book I think I would like to save for the trade when that next one comes up and who knows that could be in a freaking year with the way that the format of the show has changed. <laughs> but I don't I'm not telling you now and I want to tell the people, but I'll tell you what man I read that first volume and it was like, oh wow, like Joe told me this was a good book and it's it's even better than than oh, he sold it as it's it's I'm just gonna f- rack my fucking brains to try to figure this out. Awesome. So I I cannot wait to talk about that on here. Um, but that's we got. You know, we're looking in the past in a, in a while. We got you know ways to go before that. Right now, it's time to look ahead and talk about what's new. From this week in comics, Joe, let's start with DC. I know we got a few books that we wanted to dig into just to run through some of the other ones that we're not going to talk as much about. There's Justice League 69, Suicide Squad 9, Blue and Gold 4, which I fell off on and you did too. Um, Batman Secret Files, The Gardener, Can't Miss Issue 1. Aquaman, The Becoming, Issue 3. Batman versus Bigby, A Wolf in Gotham, Issue 3. Refrigerator Full of Heads, Issue 2. Did you get to the first issue of this yet? yet. Not yet. Okay. And then Wonder Woman Evolution, Issue 1. I know you're all over on Batman. Uh, Issue 117 came out this week. But that is not one of the books that you want to talk about. Where do you want to start? Because I know you got a few. Uh, So I'm going to start with Nightwing. Uh, Hmm. I know we're both reading this. You
1: haven't gotten to it yet. But I read it this morning. And, man, this was – I I love Tom Taylor's net. I'm glad the Fear State shit is over. <laughs> okay like yeah. so there's been three the last this one included three nightwing books that have been part of fear state. The first one and the third one are about the same. The second one was actually pretty deep. like the last nightwing issue we got felt a bit more like nightwing mm. um but like this one like it was just it, it it felt a little rushed. It felt a little shoehorned in because like with Batman 117 like fear state ended, right? So mm. fear state's over. Nightwing can get back uh, to what it was. It's not that it was a bad issue. It was just like, okay, whatever. It was just more Simon Saint, you know. Uh, Fierce State, you know. Ugh. I'm like, ugh. I I wasn't. I, I didn't really love Fear State to begin with, mm-hmm. and so I'm glad that's over. And there was a different artist for these last three books than Tom Taylor has had with him with his with his main run with Nightwing. And it's not that the art is bad. It's just like I don't know. Like, yeah, don't, you get, fuck with, don't fuck with my Nightwing. You mm-hmm. know, like, my like Nightwing has been has been a damn near perfect comic book. And not that this slowed it down, but I, I'm just glad that it's done. It's over. We can get back to, you know, Bloodhaven and get back into the story that Tom Taylor was telling before this that was really freaking good.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, like, it's Bruno Redondo, who's the, the main artist for yes, Nightwing. Yes, you you get a little break from him. I mean, like, his stuff is really clean, really crisp. And I think for Nightwing, like... It, with certain characters, you want it, it, legacy characters, you want a certain vibe with those characters, and it's one thing if it's not their book. Like, if this was a Batman book and you're seeing Nightwing pop up, you want a different vibe with that because I mean, it's so grim and everything like that. So, it, you understand it's, he's going to have a different feel to him as much as he's still kind of like a beacon of hope. In Nightwing, it's all about him, so it should all have like a, that, a feel that reflects that character. So, I don't blame me for, for feeling that way. I think yeah. Rodando's Re, just he's, he's done really well, and I cannot wait. For what he has planned next. And it makes sense yeah. to like, like, I'm i with you having something in the middle of any event, any, any of our um like mainline issues going into an event. It's just, it's never ideal because it always kind of impacts the, the flow of the story because you're taking like a quick sidestep here, or maybe it's a look back in time, whatever it is. Um, but in this case, it makes a lot of sense what we have coming in Nightwing 87. Joe and I have been talking about it for a while. We could never remember if it was 86, 87. But I know because of today, it's 87. That's where we're <laughs> going to get Bruno, the Bruno Redondo edition of Nightwing, where there are no panels. Yeah. I, I cannot wait to see what this shit looks like. Um, and it's, I mean, it, it's a definitely like a risky play. But when you have Tom Taylor writing it, it's like this, you have to think this is going to be kick ass. This might be a, I might buy two issues of this,
1: Oh, you know, one to read, right. And one to have in my, in my long box. But then depending on how it's drawn out, I might want to open it up and sort of, sort of find a two page spread. That's my favorite. Like Mm. just the, the, the art, like the continuous art and Mm. possibly put it up on
0: the wall. Nice. Yeah. So I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I I definitely have a lot like there's, I was going through just some stuff recently and I pulled out the, um. I think it's J Scott Campbell, the spawns universe cover with Uh, she spawn. And it's like, I may or may not have a she spawn action figure coming in the mail, like, you know, next month. But I'm like looking at that shit. And she's like, I need to put this in a frame, but I, Anyways, we're in different situations and whatnot, um, uh, but it's just like there's just so much freaking good stuff out there, it's yeah. just nonstop. But uh, take a quick sidestep from from what you've read from DC this week, and I have Robin's issue one to stick with the whole Nightwing thing team. I've been pretty excited about this one for a while because we're dealing with all the old Robins. Of course, you have the four guys, and then Stephanie Brown, who you know wasn't Robin for long, but now we have her in the mix as spoiler, and um, not not spoilers that are coming. Her name is spoiler for those who don't know, and they're all kind of taking this opportunity to reflect on them as robins and i think it's interesting how like you know you could say maybe it's a little forced idea because like yeah you know everybody's talking about it right now but i actually kind of want to hear these characters break it down where it's like you know maybe they like the life maybe they don't i know nick dick grayson's kind of dealt with that in some capacity we're seeing it in robin and batman so it's to me it felt like for a second it was like huh okay you're gonna actually have this conversation about it where you guys are like in the thick of it like you really see yourself getting out um but still I, I i at first it was odd but then as it was going it's like okay like we're it, it works but more importantly where i've really been interested about this is we're, we're dealing with a, another character um another female robin allegedly who believes she was robin before dick grayson was robin and that is why I, the only reason i want to read this series more than anything as much as you know i like red hood like nightwing and want to see more of those guys and i think spoilers pretty kick-ass i want to get to know this robin i want to know if she's just out of her mind, or if she has like, some basis off her thinking. So, um, and I think we're gonna we already see a couple of callbacks in this first issue. I think we're gonna see that throughout this series. But um, it's just it's a really interesting concept, I think. And for the first issue, you know, we talk about the art show, and I blank on who the artist is. But it wasn't necessarily what I was expecting going into this series. Um, and I don't know if they were the same cover artist or not, but it was like it was fine. Like the, the the concept of this story has me interested enough that I I want to see this through at least three issues, no matter what. It had to really suck the first issue um, for me to drop off. But I thought it was rock solid opening issue. So since I, I, I claimed the last Robin, you want to take this one? Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be a TLDR one. Uh, like it was solid. Like I, I'm probably going to give it like an eight, but like this, the concept is really good. So if I, you know, when the, so yeah, I'll go ahead and read it then. Yeah, you go. I think you can go ahead and read it. It'll be fine. It's only six issues. We could always give it uh, the three jokers treatment if it's really good at the end of it all. But I mean, I, it would have to knock our socks off to give it the the. Well, the that's what I'm jokers. saying. But the concept I think is like a knock your knock your socks off comp uh, yeah. concept. It's just a matter of. The execution so the execution was fine first time around not necessarily what i was expecting with the art and that has an impact on things but um, but I still think it's like, it's worth giving a shot for those who are like, oh, maybe, maybe not. I think, I think you're going to have a good time. Um, first issue, you know, get in on it now because I could see, you know, the, the printing issues now too. You don't want to, oh, like, if man. you're don't at all interested, if you want to get, if you're all interested in it, uh, you want to give it a shot, um, with Robins one, but, uh, you got two other DC ones before we move on to any of the other books.
1: Yeah. R- real side note, uh, quick side note. So like this whole supply chain shit, mm. like, uh, like. You see it on the news. You're like, okay, whatever. It's, it hasn't really impacted me until I went to Newbury Comics last week, yep, uh, to pick up my books, and there was no there was no books other than Marvel and DC because there was an issue. I guess, I guess Diamond kind of got hacked, yep. And there was an issue with Diamond, but like, still, like all these other books, like getting delayed, pushed back. Like we have our list. Like, okay, these books are supposed to come out this week, but we don't get reviews. So are they really coming out, or what's going on? So like, I freaked out, and I bought a shit ton of
0: Christmas gifts the other day. <laughs> Huh. just to make sure they'd be here on time. You know? mm. Well, but, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, Joe, like it's we, for those who listen to us week to week, obviously we do what's new. We talk about the books that are supposed to come out that week. We've definitely had instances where we yeah. talked about books that aren't out that week because we got the review copies and those books did, weren't printed out for some reason. And yeah. then vice versa, where we didn't talk about a book that maybe you, th- I think Philadelphia 18 is actually an example of one that yeah. we got that a week later than it actually came out. And Nita Hawes, right? That interview yeah. dropped supposed to be the day of the the comic being released and it didn't come out till next week. So it's like it's just it's an absolute mess. And I don't think anybody knows like who what book's coming out. Like even the PR people because I I tell them like, hey, we want this to come out the same day that the book's coming out. And then it's like, uh well, you know, like I'm again we we talked about it last week. We have another interview that's set to come out in December that we've already done. You know, we have it planned for a certain day. If we don't hear that it's coming out like on a different day, it's like so it's just it's just very confusing. Actually and all the the
1: Kickstarter projects that we've Back and that's, a whole,
0: oh, that's a whole. That's a whole nother mess. But there's another interview that we've been working on scheduling that we're gonna do. But it's just like I'm hearing, like, okay, we thought it would make sense to do it at this point in in the month, and now it's like uh it probably make more sense to do it a little bit later uh, because, like, who knows what's gonna happen with yeah. um with this other book where like the narrative's getting handed off and whatnot. It's like it's just an yeah, yeah. absolute it's mess. A, and it's not. It's not just master. the indies. It's Marvel. It's DC. Yeah. Like, I mean my place only had venom for Marvel stuff when I went there. And I think oh, I went geez. there on like Friday. No, I went there Thursday. So I went yeah. after you. So it's yeah. like, it's just crazy. But anyways, yeah. um, well, two other have, two, books. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> two mm-hmm. other books from
1: DC that I talked about, uh, Superman, son of Kal-El number five. This is, this really is a landmark issue. I mean, it, 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 it this book has been in the news, you know, because, you know, John mm-hmm. Kent, and you know, Superman came out as bisexual. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really tremendous thing. I think it's a really important thing and it's a really powerful thing. Uh, you know, in this day and age. And so in this issue, there, there's a moment that happens and it's it's a splash page. And you know, I, I think this is gonna be a very important book, a one that you know people will look back on several years from now, and, and 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 not that you haven't had gay characters in comics, but when it comes to the character of Superman. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty big and and it's, it's very significant. So, I mean, Tom Taylor continues to kill it and he's, and he's written this story very well and he's, and he's written the the relationship and, and everything around it. I think just perfectly. And cause it's not like, yes, it's been a major theme and it's been a major part of the book, but you still have all the other stuff going on around it. And, John Kent trying to, you know, be Superman and, you know, this this journey of self-discovery all happening at the same time. It's it's not like you just focused on one and it it's taken away from this storyline or it's taken away from that storyline. I think he's weaved it together very well. And uh this, I mean, it's it's a must-read series just from a comic book standpoint, but this issue in particular, I think, is really important.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's made more news with this than anything, and I and and we talk. We, you know, we sometimes we joke about how like Tom Taylor has the hottest brand in comics. I mean, we, as much as we love what Sean Lewis is doing, of course, with with King Spawn, and of course you got the Scorch coming up, and then you know the other stuff he's done. But then of course Scott Snyder has been kicking ass too. You know, yeah, we, we know he has the clear out this week from Comicsology. You know, with with Tom, I mean, he's doing it with. Um, he's doing it with Superman. He's doing it with Nightwing. He's got the Dark Ages uh, Marvel book. Issue mm-hmm. three of that is out this week too. And I'm sure. And then um, Seven Secrets, of course, has been an outstanding series. I've really enjoyed that. But like, this is the one that's definitely getting the most attention. And you know, it's definitely upsetting some people because of what he's doing with John Kent. But I think that I think that it's been outstanding what he's been doing so far. As much as I'm behind the there's like an old thing like if you're pissing somebody off and with what you're doing with with it when it's a form of media like if you're pissing somebody off then you're also probably making some people happy like if people just are in the middle about what you're doing, then you're usually not doing a really good job. That's kind of what it comes down to. So I I think there's that. And I just think the way he's doing it, also quality too. Like you you talk about how it's like a self-discovery thing. That is a major thing. That is a major issue when you're talking about, you know, dealing with your sexuality, whatever it is, because there's a whole spectrum with that and everything. So, and I think when you're talking about Superman too, I know it's John Kent and not Clark Kent, but still two characters who, don't necessarily get as much love you know, from, from people anymore because they're Kryptonians. I understand John Kent has had his whole thing with Damian Wayne, and that's been a little bit more interesting, but it's just why not try something different with the character, especially when he's dealing with an identity crisis that parallels perfectly with what other people deal with when it, talk, it comes to their sexuality. So um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on what Taylor's done. And, and what I think
1: is really great about it is that it's not a crisis, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's not a struggle. It's just, it's just, It's just John Kent being John Kent, Uh right? And he doesn't, you know, there isn't this inner turmoil that you might be seeing or this, this narrative where he might feel conflicted. No. And there's something just about that symbol, that Superman, whether it's Clark or whether it's John, that carries a lot of weight. So seeing that and seeing how, you know, not a difficult thing it is for him, And how dealing with the, you know, dealing with, you know, the Superman stuff is the most difficult stuff. That I think that that sends a powerful message in and of itself. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, great issue. uh, Definitely pick that up. And
0: then Hmm. this is hard for since, since the like we I saw what was coming out for this week. I've been waiting for this moment. I mean, so
1: I mean, issue five was definitely the better issue. And that would have been a Better cliffhanger. Like, if you're going to take a six month break, that would have been the issue to do it on because you just you're just left like, oh, like the end of that issue, your jaw kind of hits the floor and you're just like, what? And and then you you know, so issue six is good. It's a lot of you know, this issue basically just sort of tells you, like, it gives you the main the main characters, you know, mo. For those who
0: don't know, Joe's talking about Nice House oh, on the yes, Lake sorry. issue six, yes, yeah. which exactly. goes on hiatus for
1: is it six months after this issue? Six months, Nice House, yes. Yeah, sorry, Nice House on the by written by James Tynan, and like mm. I guess I had to jump into it, so I'm sorry, but like so like the sixth issue, I mean it was good, it was well written, you know, uh, you know the art is is beautiful, but like it didn't like leave me like it just like the problem is it ended, and I'm like okay, I'll wait six months. And I'll be excited when it comes back. But if they, if he had, if he had, if if issue five was the issue that they took the break on, then like for six months, I'd just be like scratching my face off, clawing at the walls, you know, waiting for, you know, the six months to pass. Whereas now I'm like, okay, all right. It kind of just did a lot of explanation and where it ends. is just like, okay. It's kind Hmm. of like the Sopranos finale ending where I know that's not the end of the story. But like, I'm just like, OK, so when when it kicks back up again, I know I'll be on top of it because I'll be waiting for it. But I could see where if like casual readers, they, they might not have their eyeballs out for it, you know hmm.
0: that's that's and we'll t- i know you're going to talk about it on the show at some point i don't know if you're going to do it as fast as possible if you're going to want to wait for the first trade to come out if that comes out before right. the i would imagine it's going to come out before the second arc or the second half of the I, i'd
1: imagine that if i when i talk about nice house on the lake it'll be uh right before the second arc kicks off that's probably my
0: my feeling Right. So okay. So you're gonna have to wait. Wait. A, so I'm gonna yeah. have to wait a while. Before, yeah. Like, real long while. God, I've been giving you shit this whole time, and now it's like, joke's really on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I don't know what happened um, throughout the course of all this. But it's been. It's, I've been definitely ready for you to to talk about this one on the show. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's an interesting feeling. Like, cause it's as much as it's like, cause you've been so mad about this news the entire time. Like, <laughs> I, I'm loving this series and I hate that I'm going to have to wait for so long. And now, you know, like you said, like, would you, you, you would have been itching for this next issue for the next six months, months, but it's like, would you rather have it where you're kind of like, okay, I can be patient. I can be, I'll be all right. I'm going to be excited when this comes back, but like, I'm not necessarily chomping at the bit to get going on this next thing. It's an interesting, like, I don't know. Uh, I would,
1: I would have much preferred to have, like, like I said, it had ended at issue five. And the mm-hmm. way that issue ended, because I was like, "Oh, yeah, like, give it to me now!" You know, give it right now, right now, right now. It's like when um, Infinity War ended; you wanted Endgame immediately, right? Yeah, right. Yep. And uh, so now I'm it's like, true. "Okay, all right." I'm, I, you know, it's like, "Okay, I get it." Like you put a nice little bow mm-hmm. on it, and now we wait six months. And um,
0: I think and that's it, an interesting, oh. like, I think that's an interesting thing, like, for people to experience now, like, now as we're going through it, because. I know we've seen at times where it's like, I don't want, now you leave me on this crazy cliffhanger. Like it happened with the walking dead a few years back with Negan. When you first meet him and everything It's like, now we got to wait so long. And then of course they drag it out over the episode and everything It's like, what the fuck? Um, But it's like, you, you wait so long for this shit. And it's like, it's just killing you this whole time. Like I can't wait, can't wait. Um, But now you're like at a point where you're like, I want it back, but like, I I'm okay. Like I can wait. And and it's interesting. It's like, experience that because then maybe in the future you're going to appreciate when you more even when you get those crazy ass cliffhangers like i i i can't like i I need that to hold me on for like the next however long the break is in this case six months Um, All right. We move over to (laughs) Image. We have um, Primordial Issue 3, of course, from Jeff Lemire, which I am behind on. I know you've been on top of that more. So Time Before Time, Issue 7. Sweet Paprika from Mirka Mirka Andolfo, Issue 5. I've been enjoying that series. very um, Definitely different than what we talk about on here normally. Uh, Deep Beyond, Issue 10. Second chances issue four. Of course, we talked to Ricky Memoni about that a while back. Um, but the my favorite thing that came out this week from Image is of course King Spawn, issue four by, by Sean Lewis. Um, and whew. Um, this is like the well, you you want to start on this? I mean, where do you start? Yeah, it's like it's, oh man,
1: it's just it, it's just so it's so nuts. Like this is this is probably one of the higher octane issues we've had from King Spawn. Maybe the highest octane issue we've had of King Spawn yet. Mm-hmm. And you know we see we see Al, we see Spawn, and uh, he's a little cranky, a little bit, a little bit, a little, little cranky. And yep. uh, but I think my favorite part of the issue uh, was the uh, she spawn uh, mm. stuff that we got.
0: Hmm, and we we may or may not have reason to believe you're going to start seeing more of she she spawn. Maybe not as, as much king spawn. Maybe in the scorched. I mean, I know we know we're going to see the character, but we may get like that may be the chance that she gets to uh, really shine. Um, but that's yeah, you know, that's a story for another day. But I do agree with you because there is one specific moment where she's, you know, she's protecting a group of individuals, and you know, one of those individuals has to step in, and it's like she like she's trying to help prepare this person. And then the next page, you're like, "Oh shit!" Like it's it's fucking real. Um, like Sean is um, Sean is like he's really like starting to get a flow in it and with him and Javier Fernandez and everything. Yeah. It's been really awesome to watch and like the scope of this stuff too. He's um, it's it's been really um, I, I've really enjoyed the series. And I think too for people who like kind of know the character but don't really know the character, like it's it's still. Like you can still jump in on this and be fine. I think he's kind of like moving at a good pace, but there's like enough things where it's like, if I don't know entirely spawns history, I'm still going to be okay. He's kind of covering all his bases.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, you're right. He did totally getting into a groove there. And I, I mean, I can't wait for the scorch knowing what we know about it. And, mm-hmm. but this was like, we get some medieval spawn who I love and, mm-hmm. and the she spawn stuff. So like, this is the first time, too, where, like, King Spawn feels like its own thing now. Like, the first couple issues, it just sort of felt like a direct extension off the main Spawn line. Mm-hmm. And this one, because we get more of that imagery, we get a little bit more, you know, uh, diving into the, the mythos there of, of King Spawn, that this felt like, okay, yeah, we got I th- this. I th- We're I in Sean's it-
0: world now, you know? That's actually an excellent point. I think in all this, I, I definitely lost sight of it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it I because there have been times where we're reading Sean's stuff. It's like this is really good, but it does feel like, like, how does this like where? What point in time is this happening next to Spawn? Because Spawn's got his own thing going on under the mainline Spawn. But now it's like you're right. This took this was a big step like away from it. Where again, we're still looking back into the character's history and everything. But we're still progressing everything forward. So it does feel very much like its own thing, and to the point where, like, reading this issue, maybe more than ever, actually, completely, this issue, I'm just like, oh, I, I did not think once about the mainline, like the, the original Spawn right. uh, ongoing story. So yeah, that's that's an excellent point by you, Joe. Good catch. Um, let's see what else we got. Okay, actually, let's head over to Boom. Now we have Buffy 31, Dune House of Atreides issue 12, which you've been reading and enjoying. Uh, Maw, issue three. What? <laughs>
1: Here's a little peek behind the curtain. I was going to do Dune on the show today, but we didn't get a review copy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know. Yeah, had to, had to I don't know. It's,
0: again, it's just the same shit that, like we were talking about earlier. It's so freaking annoying. Um, Then, of course, from Boombox, we have Getting Dizzy issue one. But there are two Boombooks that we kind of want to dig into a little bit more. I'll let you start with Eat the Rich 4.
1: Yeah, man. This, this book is going to be definitely talked about on this show. And this was I mean, it's been a Crackers series, uh, period. Uh, but this issue in particular, like this is like that, the that, that pivotal issue. So I don't know. I only think it's another couple issues. Like, I don't think it's ongoing. So like, this was a very, very pivotal issue in terms of wrapping it up and where, it you know, where it's going to go. But I can't wait to talk about this one a little bit more in
0: depth because it is wild. I'll tell you what you, I remember when you were on this at first and I was like, okay, like, well, I, I just didn't know what, what like, it seemed like I know somebody else um, reviewed it for Geeks Worldwide and they were right on it right away. But I was just kind of like, all right, cool. Like, awesome. Like, go review it. But when you when you said you were reading it right away, I was like, oh, shit. Okay, so it is. No. Like, it, this might be the real deal. And I'm, I'm glad that you're really into it. Um, For me, of course, at Boom right now, Once in Future is, of course, number one on our list when it comes to Boom Books. But for me, number two, well, I guess it's a tie at number two between Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers. Again, can't say it enough. Different series talked about. Both first arcs on the show a little while back. Um, I had caught up on Mighty Morphin in between you know last show and this show. Again, another review copy we did not get. So it's just, again, the industry is just running into issues right now. But it's available on so You guys can go read it there if you want to read it. Um, Power Rangers 13 is out this week. Did get the review copy for that. Make sure to read that ahead of this show because we have the Altarian War going on right now. It started with Mighty Morphin 13. Been very excited for the start of this. Ryan Parrott has been doing an outstanding job. He, of course, was doing Go-Go Power Rangers when our guy Kyle Higgins was doing Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, during the... Um, oh my God, what was the event with Drakken? Why am I drawing a blank on it? Um, Shattered God, Grid? Shattered Grid, thank you. I talked about that in the show a while back too, but that, again, love that. I love what's going on here too, and Drakken is, of course, in the mix and all this. I've been, t- I've been telling you guys that, um, but the, like, the stuff that's... So I'm removed enough from it now where I... We are removed from it enough now where I can just say like the character, Zed, a lot has been going on with him, a character who I didn't care quite as much about um, even though I've been a Power Rangers fan for so long, like I know he's a big villain, but I was always more enamored with like Tommy and and Kimberly and actually the heroes on the side of this, less so the villains. But what they, what they what uh, Parrot has done with Zed in Mighty Morphin is you know of course now carrying over into Power Rangers is all kind of one cohesive story, and I really it's like. It, if you're a Power Rangers fan, you got to read this stuff too. They've been doing a great job. you know Kyle was on the title. He did an awesome job. You know Parrot did a good job with uh Gogo Power Rangers too. but this stuff now that Parrot's doing is is um he was already doing he did a great job before, but this is this is even better in the Alturian War 2 was like awesome twists with it along the way. So I highly I, I've been, you know, high on this since it started and I continue to feel that way. So I highly recommend that for all Power Ranger fans. Whew. All right. Um, then we got. Let's roll through these really quickly. We got Dark Horse Savage Hearts issue five. Dynamite Army of Darkness, uh, nineteen seventy nine issue three. That's uh, is that Rodney that's writing that?
1: It sure is, baby.
0: I know you've been on that one. We got Aftershock Chicken Devil issue two by Hayden Sherman, not Christensen. <laughs> um, uh, let's see, Titan. We have Gun Honey issue three was out this week. I thought that was, I think that was last week. Did you read yeah, that might be,
1: right? It might be issue four. Okay.
0: Anyways, uh Blade Runner Origins Issue Eight, Usagi Yojimbo Dragon Bellows, cons- Bellows Conspiracy Issue Six from IDW. I mentioned the Clear Issue Two from Comicsology. Did you get a chance to look at that yet? I sure did. Okay, I, now this yeah. is something I'm not. I'm not allowed to read for the show yet. Uh How is it?
1: Yeah, it was. It was good. Uh, I mean, I loved the first issue. This one, it's a lot of sort of backstory in it. Okay. So I can't
0: wait to see the next issue and where it takes it from here. Okay, and then we have the first issue of uh radio apocalypse from Vault, which is Rom V, which we yep. I remember I remember yeah. talking about the synopsis. That was a synopsis one. that I just absolutely fucking butchered. One we both want to take a flyer on, though, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then from AWA, we've been talking about the we've had a lot of different feelings about this series from AWA. Not all robots. Issue four is out this week, Joe. We have both gotten a chance to look at it already. Uh, how do you feel? So I
1: mean, I remember reading issue one, absolutely loving it. And and so, again, especially with the way that first issue ended, mm-hmm. right? Like, you want to talk about oh, yeah. a, a cliffhanger, right? And then the next several issues, I mean, we know, like, I mean, it's a giant, you know, the, the social commentary that's going on through this book is, it's getting to a point where it's, not just like oh it's it's good humor it's it's a little like on the nose at this point and so like the last couple of issues there's like there's been a lot of that social commentary like we've seen where the story is going and with this I believe it's the penultimate uh, issue like the, the second half of this particular book okay we finally see like the culmination especially the, the last third uh, really all that story comes to a head but like prior to that I was, again, I'm like, Oh, oh, we're just getting more of the same here. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. I I get it. I, you know, the social commentary, like this is just basically us, but you know, you, you you swap out uh, a certain political party for, you know, uh, non-empathetic robots and, Mm -hmm. you know, here we are. And, but the way that that kind of came together and the way that this issue ended was a lot like issue one ended. And we were talking about this before we came on today. Like, if this issue had been, I mean, if this series had been four issues instead of five total, I think it would have been, it would run. have been a whole lot better.
0: Yeah, I think I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it would have been a home run at that point if it was four issues. Just, I mean, it doesn't mean you couldn't have made it five issues and still made it really good. It just feels like. They tried to belabor the point a little bit too long, and you know, but that's what we've said about AWA. When they are rolling and they're doing like five issue series, and you can go longer sometimes, sure. But when they do their five issue series, seriously, there's no fat on those on bones whatsoever. It moves at a really brisk pace. You're getting everything you need. It's really entertaining. Um, you know, usually there's a commentary on something, and uh, I feel like with not all robots, again, like where I was talking about with Robins, like I felt like the, the concept is outstanding it's awesome and you know the first issue with not all robots was really good we were really high coming off that series uh opener and then the second one was good i felt like but then when we got to three that's where it was kind of like huh Like, okay, but I liked four quite a bit. I still agree with you that we cut off maybe one issue and maybe you could just do all of three or maybe you know take out some of two and some of one and like spread out some of the things that happened in three um, between those two issues and it would work. But it's just like, um, but with four, I I felt like there was a lot building up and you see a lot of it come to a head or all of it come to a head. I don't know how things are going to end with five. Like that's what's been so strange to me in all this where I felt like, this series is, is like a short, it's a limited series. doesn't mean that, you know, AWA won't come back, it. they're doing that with some stuff. We're seeing it with Hotel. That's coming out. Uh, the second volume of that's coming out soon. You can absolutely return to this world, but it's just never felt like, it, I don't know. It's just, it's strange to position it like that, I guess, in, in my opinion. Because um, it's just not like, are you going to keep going after issue five? Are you going to try and bring it back? I noticed that on the comics themselves, we're not seeing like four of five. It just is, Right. this is issue four, period. So yeah. maybe they're seeing that potential there, but... At the same time, if you're gonna do that, like we need to like get a, an idea of what direction we want to go in with this year. Cause that's that's kind of like the biggest thing. It's like yeah. you have a concept, you've made us think it's gonna go one way, but then it's kinda of like you can't you didn't stay on that path firmly, I guess. Well, that's just the problem with this arc is that
1: it was one issue too. Like they stretched it out. Yeah. They stretched it because not much happened between two and three that you couldn't mm-hmm. have just told in one issue. Right. Right. Cause you can give that sense of foreboding you can get you can you can still drive that story of really an uprising but from two different factions mm-hmm. and that was just i don't know i felt like the writing has been has been great but like because you stretched it out a little bit it slowed the pacing down a bit mm-hmm. and it just made that commentary which granted it's brilliant commentary. The commentary is great. It's just yeah. been a little too much. Yeah. And if he... you knock that down an issue, then I have a heck of a lot less problem with it. I think. And like, I mean, like I said, this issue, it was a great issue, mm. but like, there was a point where it's like, we need to get action here or I'm, I've, I've lost interest.
0: Yeah. And it, it
1: gave us that action. So I was like, mm. okay, good. Yeah. But like,
0: I, I I think when it comes to like the dialogue and all this has been great. It's been very sound. It's the, the plotting that I guess yeah. has been more of the issue that we, that we've talked about. We, there is a distinction between that. I've definitely talked about that quite a bit on here. Um, and then let's move over to Marvel before we get to your book this week. Of course, there's Shang-Chi issue six that uh, you've been on top of. I did fall behind on that because we were doing it for the show. Um, but I will, I am going to be catching up on that. Um, Kang the conqueror issue four, which I know you fell off on. I didn't even really want to give that one a shot um darkhold wasp issue one then we're both reading dark ages issue three which i am uh i could not enjoy this series more again tom taylor i know like that's one that's you're not going to hear about as much from him i feel like right now but it trusts us it is absolutely a must read so far uh yeah. through the first few issues and then uh um, moon Knight issue five is out this week too which uh we're that's you know of course we've we got a little bit of look at the show that's going to be coming up down the line speaking of which you're going to be talking about a character who has a show coming out, I believe, next week. Yeah, yeah. So I pulled a bit of an Audible, I think, on Friday
1: mm-hmm. uh, when it became apparent I wasn't going to get the review copy of Dune. And then I took a look at the schedule. It's like, oh, this show is coming out. This would be a great week to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Heeding the advice of Goo and Wes mm-hmm. right, of, of being timely with these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I picked it up on uh, this app you've been selling me on, Hoopla. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. Finally, and I, it took you I,
0: fucking I, long enough. Jeez. I read the
1: first issue and I said, yep. Okay. This is what I'm doing it this week. I, I pulled the trigger. So I am talking
0: Hawkeye
1: from Marvel. Hot had, guy on Hawkeye. Look at this. Hot guy. Well, no, a chubby guy on Hawkeye. Okay. Whatever. <laughs>
0: I was trying to give you some credit there, but jeez, gotta be so self-deprecating. You gotta learn to love yourself, Joe. You're supposed to be uh, the fucking well, I doctor I love myself here. just fine. Don't worry about okay. it. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's another conversation. Your daughter's in the room. Unbelievable, Joe. God, this is a family show. You, God, back-to-back weeks where your daughter's in the room while we're doing the show, and not great times to be, have this happen. <laughs> Unbelievable. And if yeah, for well, those Joe, who don't know, go back are, and listen.
1: When what? A joke presents itself, Nick. You gotta, you gotta take it, right? I, I, I guess so. But anyways, <laughs>
0: tell me about Hawkeye.
1: Absolutely. So Hawkeye. So uh, this is going to be a mouthful here, but written by uh, from Marvel Comics, written in 2012 uh, through 2015. It is six volumes. So volumes one through four. Uh, the the primary writer was Matt Fraction, um, mm-hmm. who was also uh, collaborating with Chip Zdarsky on Sex Criminals. Uh, mm. we have a handful of artists through these first four volumes. The The, the main artist was David Aja, uh, but then you also had like singular issues or parts of issues, uh, drawn by Javier uh, Polito. Uh, we had an issue by Francesco Frankavila. Oh man, that was a tremendous one! And Annie mm. Wu, uh, the primary colorist here was Matt Hollingsworth, and we'll talk about the colors in a moment. Oh, he's so good, um, and, and also Jordy Belair.
0: Oh, Jordy Belair's. The- Two of the yes, there's two yeah, of the best. Two of the, two of the best. Is the village uh, who recognize the Francisco uh Villa name and can't place it? He is doing uh night of the ghoul Wisconsin. Yes,
1: Snyder. yes. So. Um, let's see letters, uh Chris uh Eliopoulos, Steve Lieber, Jesse Ham, and VC's Clayton Cowles. and then for volumes five through six, this is a little bit more cohesive. We have writer Jeff Lemire, never heard of him, artist Ramon Perez. Uh, colorist Ian Herring and Ramon Perez and letters by VCs, Joe Sabino. So the the one knock I will give about Hawkeye, and it's just that volumes one and two are fairly cohesive. And then volumes three and four, there's like, you know, this issue is done by this person. This issue is done by that person. So it, you know, it it scatters a little bit sort mm-hmm. of like people sort of jumping in and, and contributing, which is, which is great for all of them. But like, when you like, look at volume three, it's like issues 12, 13, 15, like it skips a little bit. It, so it's still it, like it, a cohesive story, but okay. it's just like the
0: way it's done. You know what I mean? It was just a little like. So it wasn't like, so you get the impression that it wasn't done out of necessity for the story where you're looking at different periods of time or everything.
1: Yeah. It was like one of those things. It's like, okay, like they threw an annual in there, which is mm. part of the thing. And And so like this person wrote these two issues, this person or this person drew these two Mm -hmm. issues, this person did this. uh, So like the writing is consistent across the board, Mm -hmm. but the art jumps around a little bit. Um, And I wouldn't say that it's jarring except for the annual. That's the one book I didn't read. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't get past the art on the Hawkeye annual that was thrown in at the end of, Mm -hmm. uh, or the beginning of of volume two. But like the writing was consistent and the writing was phenomenal. The art for the most part, was tremendous but like when you had these like sp- specific issues that were drawn by someone else like the Frank Villa one was great but then some of the other artists just wasn't my cup of tea but with that said um this is a must read series really it was awesome I'm not a Hawkeye guy never have been like no. he was you know fine in the movies whatever I couldn't give two poops about Hawkeye right but, but with the show coming up um and wanting to know just a little bit more about the character and what they might be Potentially drawing upon on from source material, mm-hmm. I said, let's give it a go. And, you know, I'm really glad I did because, again, like the art for the most part is tremendous. And uh, Matt Fraction's writing is awesome. Mm. Awesome, 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 awesome. So, volumes one through four is a total of 22 issues. Um, and then volumes uh, five and six is a total of 11 issues. Um, and so, what the premise of this book in this series is what Hawkeye does when he's not an Avenger. I like that. Right? I think, yeah. And and so the Avengers are mentioned a lot, and he, he throws it around, you know, I'm an Avenger, you oh, know. <laughs> uh, but, like, he is such a pain in the ass, and he mm-hmm. is such a flawed character in this. I love it, right? Mm-hmm. I think, we, you know, of all the books we've talked about, you know, since we've been doing the show for over a year now, is, like, the, the characters that I'm drawn to are the ones that are flawed. Mm-hmm. Right, because there's there's great depth there because you see them at their highest highs and you see them at their lowest lows, and the journeys to get there, you know, just you know, if the writer is, is worth their salt, they can just tell these tremendous stories with that. And and so the other thing that I liked about this too is that like I have no idea if this book is gonna is the inspiration for the show, but it feels like it because the way the comic is written, it's very episodic. Each issue for the most part, feels like a contained story. It hmm. feels like an episode of TV.
0: Really?
1: Right? It's got like that, I don't want to say sitcom in the sense of like, oh, it's got the like. It is a very humorous book, but like it's got, the, it just got that feel to it. Like you're watching it. Like I am reading a show. That's yeah, kind it's kind of kind of you know, like
0: Lucifer in the way that show is done, right? Where like for the yeah. longest time, it was just like a different episode by episode just dealing with like some personal bullshit he's got yeah. going on. Yeah.
1: yeah, and there's definitely a couple of story arcs, like small arcs here, like one or two, you know, two books or three books, you know, like within these volumes, And but it feels very episodic. And one of the things I love about it, and, and I love the way that Fraction approached it, is like the beginning of each book starts off with this looks bad. Mm. This looks really bad. And you just mm-hmm. see Clint, you know, just like falling from a building because like he makes it very, you know, very well known. He's human. It's like, I'm not a superhero. I'm human. Like, this shit hurts. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and like the first issue, he's in the hospital. He's got all these broken ribs and he's, you know, and, and so I just, I just think that, you know, the writing of his character and from what we see of him in the MCU, it's just this like kind of boring. Okay, he's an archer with badass arrows. We get a little mm-hmm. bit of depth of him in Endgame with the Ronin stuff. Mm-hmm. And 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 like that was like the first time I think like the MCU sort of gave his character a little bit of depth. But mm-hmm. like this book really like goes into it. he's like it's not that he's a bad guy, he's just like he's not always a good human
0: being. He can be kind of an a-hole.
1: Yeah, I mean it and... makes sense
0: too when he's like been buddies with Natasha Romanoff forever. I mean, obviously like like not to say that black widow is not awesome or anything, but like, she definitely has a checker pass and it's like, yeah, it takes a certain type of individual to like, fully accept that and be that person's best friend. Yeah. And,
1: and so what's, what's also great about this is the addition of Kate Bishop, because I really don't know much about Kate oh. Bishop. And so, uh, you know, she's sort of like, I wouldn't call her his moral compass, but she's his compass. Like she's there to like snap him out of it when he's in a funk, or you know she she provides great comic relief. She's a badass in this book. And the two of them, they're like they're really great partners and there's there's something there between them, but they're both afraid, you know, you know and huh. and it's just like the, the the comedic elements between these two it's almost like you know, brother and sister almost, you know, like there's a there's a there's a mutual respect for each other and, and I wouldn't hmm. say like when there's something between them, like not necessarily like, they go there, there's a romantic thing there, but like there's there's definitely like moments where you you get this feeling like okay, there's maybe there's more to this relationship, you know, than sort of meets the eye but you know, Clint's an old man, like she's his like, she's his younger sister and I think, you know, she looks at him you know, maybe a little bit more than that sometimes, but like, that's yeah. not what the book is about at all, it's just, that's just a great character writing that we sort of get in this and I just, you know, there's an overarching like, like, especially with the first two volumes, there's like, it kind of like, there's a definitely a continuation, like they, something that they all have in common. So, you know, between like, there's this backstory between Clint and the Russians and that story with them. It's like, that is something that is almost present in just about every issue. Um, And that comes to a head at a certain point. And I love the Russians in this. They're sort of the main um, antagonists. And I just love the way they're written in this because every other word out of their mouth is bro. It's like, oh, hey, bro, really? we're going to kill you, bro. You know, with that. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. So it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And there's there's two little story arcs in this that I absolutely love. There's uh, there's a two-issue arc called The Tape. And it revolves around uh, Clint Barton needs to retrieve um, a videotape because it shows him committing an assassination on behalf of of the United States government. And they have to get that tape back and he has to do it via an auction. Huh. And, he, and it's going to do it with Shield's limitless credit card and so the story with that, the implications of it, you know the role Kate Bishop plays in that, that's a two issue arc absolutely fantastic. And then Frank Villa's issue. The okay. issue where he draws and it's about like I said with the with the Russians sort of coming to it, it's not just the Russians at this point like Clint Barnes has pissed off all the villains, one of them being Kingpin. Mm. stolen a lot of money from them and they want to kill him. And so, the, 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 the it's not a clown, it's like, um, um, what's that opera with the clown? You uh, know, fan,
0: you mean Phantom? Oh, oh, uh, the, family, the opera,
1: whatever. No, it it's very famous, right? Opera. Um, but that type of clown, right? I can't think of the name of it. Um, and and that issue and the way it's drawn and the horror vibes you get from it, absolutely killer, 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 killer book. So, Um, you know, those two story arcs within the first two volumes are tremendous. And you know, full disclosure, I haven't gotten to the Lemire stuff yet, um, just because it was hard to
0: you know zip through 60 issues. (laughs) Yeah, that's why when I say like you say you're you're backed up, it's like, well, you are, but you also did you know? Like you've been doing this more lately than I have necessarily. Where you're like falling, like you, you're trying to do something like really last minute, and it makes it so hard to do everything that you want to do for what's new, Um, because it's just like well, like the, I said, my initial plan was doing, and I've already read that. So yes, yeah. right, of course. Uh, that, that this time is not necessarily your fault. By the way, I think the opera you were thinking of was Pagliacci. Yes, I think? Okay. yes, yes. Right. I, I actually uh, didn't know that was it. called that at all. <laughs> there we go. So like those those two arcs,
1: but like in volume three. Is uh, is strictly Kate Bishop. Huh. She's had enough of Clint shit. She goes out west and she's out of money, so she becomes a private detective. And so like each issue is sort of revolving around a case and her story. So that was a really good volume. And then volume four brings her back. And then I I believe you know volumes five and six deals with an older Clint Barnes at this point. Oh uh, we'll get just, old
0: man Hawkeye's a thing for sure. Yeah, I think there's right? a whole old man Hawkeye series, actually. No yeah, mind. I I didn't end up did you end up reading that one? I, I haven't yet i haven't i haven't read old man hawkeye so maybe one of us will do that but yeah he can't yeah maybe we can do that even after the show ends or after the show starts because as much as i think there's obviously you know talking about these characters going into the series there's it's worthwhile it's also you know after you after the series is over like we did with wandavision where we looked at that little compare and contrast thing with house of m and everything. like there's there's a lot to look at there because this could also be the future because we all thought it was going to be that going in and now it's like okay let's take a look at what this really was yeah Uh, but i'm glad that you, you took a look into this because now you get a better feel for kate bishop who now has her own ongoing series too and a character who we've known about for a while but you know joe and i aren't going to read everything from Marvel. that's what that's what we do the show we, we can't individually read everything we try yeah. to as a pair um but when it comes to marvel like there's they bounce around a lot and then some stories are for different audiences too which they should be um especially at kate bishop i mean that should definitely be for a younger audience yeah. um so, yeah, I'm so, but I'm good. It's good to know that you got like an introduction. You got like a feel going into this. I'm very curious to hear like how you feel about this show because we know we've had some issues in the past, like with Sweet Tooth, yeah. right? It was, and I totally get that, by way. I have read some of Sweet Tooth. I will disclose that <laughs> one. I've read some of, I haven't read all of the series, but it's like so much darker. Jarring, right? Yeah. What and like, is. like the, the character of Jeopard is cool in the series. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Um, there were obviously like in terms of appearance, and then like having this guy be an ex hockey player versus an ex football player, like I like that stuff's fine. Like I don't care about that shit. That's right, not important. Right. Said. What like. Like this guy, they like kind of made him out to be an asshole in the in the first one, but like this the tone guy, is it, completely different. It, in the show, he's a kind of an asshole. He still has slick back hair in the fucking comic <laughs> book series when we first meet him. Like everything, white Ferrari and all this kind of shit, to white pants, whatever the fuck it was. It was brutal. I, yeah. I uh, anyways, um, it's like it's he's totally a piece of shit in, at the start of that series, and now it's like. I uh, used to be one, you know, kind yeah. of moved on from, I would just say kind yeah. of kept that dynamic, but whatever. Um, Still, I still enjoyed that, that the, the show itself, but you haven't gone back and watched the whole thing yet. Have you? No, I haven't yet. I knew you said you were going to do it, but anyways, back to Hawkeye stuff. It sounds like a, like a rock solid yeah. series.
1: So yeah. So, so two last points I'll make. So I went back and watched the trailer again for Hawkeye and there's vibes of this book in that trailer you know, Mm. especially with like the arrows because Clint, you know, in the book, he's always talking about, well, this arrow does this and I got an arrow for that and blah, blah, blah. So I don't, like I said, I don't know if this is the source material that they're 100% taking and it's going to, you know, but it's got that vibe to it. It Definitely feels like there's elements of this book going to be in that show. So it'll be interesting to watch the show after reading the book and and seeing. Um, And then lastly, uh, Hollingsworth colors, man. So good. I mean, he's a tremendous colorist. So good. uh, But his colors in this, are just tremendous they they add an extra element to the story and the art and yeah uh he might be my favorite colorist going
0: i think we've talked about it more as the show's gone along but like the color colorists don't get there, do? like jordy belia someone we see a lot of their artwork and then when it comes to um when it comes to Hollingsworth, too, same. We see more of, of like their work from um, his work from uh, what do you call it? Uh, Sean Murphy, because they're like, they're, you yeah. know, tandem and everything. But two outstanding colorists in the business. And there's another one that I'm drawing a blank on, too, right now. But it's like, it's just, they can have such a huge impact on the vibe of the story. I mean, they they have a huge impact on the vibe of the story. Like, you know, Greg Capullo goes, he draws something and it's going to feel badass. But if the colors aren't right, like they can, or they can change the tone of the story Mm -hmm. big time. Like, you know, even when we look at We Have Demons, like that could look... Like, it has more of an action story with, you know, some monsters and everything. Don't get me wrong. It gets very violent. But, like, that could become maybe, like, even more horror than they're kind of going for if you have a different colorist mixed in and all this. So, it's – I know you wouldn't know because you refused to read that series. But, um, you know, anyways. So, what, as I was alluding to before, uh, you're – again, throwing me the bird in front of your your child. That's very – that's great, Joe. Um, I guess any idiot can be a parent, but whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyways. um, So, Joe is taking a look ahead to a Marvel character who we we already know quite a bit about, but we're going to learn more on. Um, I'm going to take a look at a character who we just got introduced to recently in the MCU, but most people don't know all that well, and that is Black Knight, specifically through Black Knight, Curse of the Ebony Blade, which I did talk about this show as it was ongoing fairly recently. Um, this I think it was all in 2021. 20, uh, Only a five-issue series by size Spurrier. Out from the jump, it was a five-issue series. Uh, artist on this is Sergio De Villa. Inker, Sean Parsons, and Colors was by Arif Prianto. And then the letterer is Corey Petit. And actually, you know, we talk about the art and the colors and everything. From issue to issue, this kind of has um fairly different vibes. I mean, this there's definitely a lightheartedness, but there's also some darkness to this story too. And it's an interest it's interesting how they kind of juxtapose that together because that first issue is like Like there's a lot of action going on, but it's like, you know, you're dealing with the Avengers and like where's Black Knight kind of stand with all them? And as somebody who knew not a whole lot about the character going into this series, it was I think if not if you take nothing else from this conversation. I, I, I say this is a great series to learn more about this character. It's five issues. It moves at a really good pace. You learn more about him. You learn more about another character who I'll get um, who I'll touch upon a little bit later. But it really gives you a, an understanding of what is going on with Dane Whitman, the Black Knight. As for um, the synopsis, uh, the greatest knight of them all rides again. Dane Whitman is Black Knight and wielder of the magical ebony blade, which I'll talk about more in a second. But that blade's power comes at a terrible price. Dane forever bears the burden of its curse, an insatiable lust for blood and mayhem that constantly threatens to swallow its owner in darkness. Must that be Dane's fate? Following the the battle against the king in black, a reinvigorated Dane has a greater sense of purpose than ever before. But his sword is the key to a new enemy's evil plan, and only the black knight can prevent becoming death and destruction. So you guys get the idea of what's going on. Actually, I did read this uh, going into Ebony. The Ebony, what? What is it?
1: Who is the publisher of this book?
0: Uh, Marvel.
1: Yeah, who the fuck's on your shirt right now?
0: Uh, DC i'm sorry red hood yeah what, like oh sorry Come on, oh my god Come on, son. you know what okay i i get okay fine i don't have a black knight shirt like i don't know what you want me to do like i mean just i wore the shirt i wanted to wear today i saw so, okay i'll make sure when we do our mac and goo thing tonight i'll uh, give that a little tease um i'll make sure i wear x-men all x-men shit maybe i'll even wear my fucking helmet how's that on everybody who, <laughs> who wants to see some of that maybe i'll try and fit that on i don't know i gotta find earbuds though Anyways, um, interrupt me for that bullshit. Um, so um, so with, I don't even know where the fuck, I, oh, so I did read the one-off from King and Black with uh, Black Knight because I think we knew this series was coming beforehand, but I know for sure we knew we were going to meet Black Knight. In the eternals and it was kit harrington so like oh this sounds kind of cool kit harrington you know obviously a good actor we like game of thrones up until the last fucking season um so i want to learn more about this character if he's getting in on this character i want to know more so i did so on top of going through this series and some of the things we learned i do want to give you guys a little bit more background than i had about the character going in as i did research in time so dane whitman actually a Massachusetts native, uh, Gloucester, Massachusetts, apparently. Um, he is a descendant of Percival, king, you know, from King Arthur and everything. Percival, of course, we've talked about quite a bit in Once in Future. Um, the so one of the first books Joe talked about here, we've talked about a ton. We've had Kieran Gillen, on, and we will talk to uh, him about that, I think, at some point down the line. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, there's a shit ton of you can't, like, you can't talk Black Knight without talking about King Arthur. It's just, it's, it, I mean, the villain in this series is Mordred. Um, You know, at one point, Black Knight says, it's always Mordred. He's always dealing with Mordred's shit. Um, for those who'd want to know when you first meet Black Knight, he was in Avengers 47, but he was first aligned with the Masters of Evil, another group that I'm not necessarily as familiar with, but he was kind of trying to tear them apart from the outside, from the inside out. Um, He did become a member of the Avengers, but like, that's something where we kind of learn more about in this series. Like, what is his standing with the Avengers? Like, how do they feel about him? Is he, you know, is he a good dude? Is he a piece of shit? Um, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, do they take him seriously? And there's a definitely a comedic element to the series, especially in that first issue. And we, we see a little bit throughout as much as it gets dark in the series too, because with the Ebony blade, there's a lot there. Um, but I really, I, like, I love the, the comedy and I was looking for that when we met Dane Whitman through Kit Harrington and the Eternals. like, are they going to make t- make jokes with this character? Of course, you know, Kit Harrington is someone who we kind of can make jokes from as much as he gets serious because of, you know, you know, nothing, Jon Snow. Like everybody's always going to look at him as Jon Snow and he knows nothing. So you can kind of have fun with that. They're doing that with Dane Whitman. It feels like the Eternals, they do it in this series. I want them to joke with this character a ton. I think that's the best way to go about it because, like, King Arthur stuff is all very epic. And then you're going to, you know, we meet. Blade at the end of Eternals and everything. So it's like there's a lot going on. Um, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the movie. Um, not really sorry about it because it's been out long enough. Um, but anyways, now I now, now the clock starts on me for how long I've been spoiler-free shit. Anyways, um, the character was created by Roy Thomas and John Buscema. Um, and uh, let's see what's Okay, so let's talk about the Ebony Blade a little bit because that is something that we hear about actually brought up in the course of the Eternals movie. Um, and not originally separate from Dane Whitman. It was, uh, I believe it was Angelina Jolie's character, Athena, that brought it up, um, or at least she was holding the sword and somebody asked her if she was holding the Ebony Blade. So now some people, you know, maybe the average MCU fan doesn't necessarily know what the hell that means. But as soon as I heard that, I'm like, okay, so they're going to do something with this at some point. Only a very small amount in the the course of this story because it's all about the Eternals. Not so much Dan Whitman, but we get introduced to that character nonetheless. Um, but this is um, this is this. You know, if the Eternals are bringing it up, this weapon is a big deal, and this has been in Dane Whitman's family forever. You see it, you know, it, you, the way you see it in Eternals. Without you know, it's. it's I don't want to go and keep talking too much about the Eternals because I don't think you've seen it yet, right? No, I haven't. No, okay. Well, I'm not even remotely sorry that I that I said that to you. I, I, I want wasn't, you, Yeah, I don't. Care. Yeah, I don't even know. If, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to see it, I, I, honestly. Um, but um, but anyways, like there's they talk about. I, I mentioned it before with the synopsis. How with this has been a long part of his family, and it's impacted them in a lot of ways. Of course, they're they have to go and be heroes in some ways, but they also get like there's like mental issues within his family. There's a lot of violence that happens within his family. Um, you know, we see. Uh, I believe it was Percival uh, fight Thor in this series with the Ebony blade. So like the, like the blade will push you to certain lengths and it's, and it is very tough, but as we learn in King and black and kind of get to it here, it's not so much what the blade does. It's like, it's all about the wielder and then the blade feeds off of that.
1: I think, I think we'll need to go back and take a look at war of the realms because when I was getting ready to do venom on the show, I went back and looked at some War of the Realms stuff. And I'm pretty sure the Black Knight and the Ebony Blade makes makes an appearance at the beginning of War of the Realms.
0: Makes sense. It makes sense just because like the nature of all that and how they're they were positioning it. But like with this character, you know, and it's no accident with, with Marvel or DC. When you start seeing certain characters pop up more in the comics, it absolutely means we're going to see more of them in shows, in movies. And of course, we get this this whole series come in, and I believe the tr- collected edition. Came out you know, all five issues came out in um, in October if I'm not mistaken I you know I didn't obviously need to go get that because I already had it but um, the King and Black issue I don't think was with the collected edition but that was definitely helpful kind of getting to know the character more and you see just how strong the Ebony Blade is in in that quick little one off too um, but like that so when you talk about a conflicted character Joe you're getting that with um, with with Dane Whitman a thousand percent and with the Ebony Blade because this is a thing that is fueled on from, you know, basically dark energy. And that doesn't necessarily mean magic. It just means like, you know, negative emotions and anger, violence, all those kinds of things, fear. Um, so he's kind of trying to battle with that as, as this character, but then it's like, he still wants to be a hero. He still knows he has this blade and it's meant to be with him. And he still wants to do good with it, but it's like, ah, uh, you know, and then he's got this other character Mordred, who's trying to bring about the end of the world. And, and, um, and look, I like all the King Arthur stuff. I'm not necessarily looking for that coming into a Marvel comic. I love what they're doing with once in future, but I like enough with what they do with Dane Whitman. And I, and I do think they do a good job with more not. I, I feel like I'm talking it down, but like, that's not what I'm coming here for with Marvel, but I like it. I like what they do with it. More importantly, um, I like a little bit of conflict with this character as you know, and I like, um, I like the, the, the comedy that they kind of mix in with that throughout this as well. Um, And it's something that you don't necessarily see see with like Old Testament King Arthur shit. I know we get a little bit in Once in the Future, but it's still a different vibe because that whole thing is epic in its own way. And obviously, again, we talked about that enough, but it's an awesome series. Um, A couple other significant characters we meet, Jax, who's very new to the scene. Um, and, And there's a significantly important tie for her and Dane that you guys will find if you go read the series. Not somebody I expect to see in the MCU uh, anytime soon, they could absolutely bring her in, but I just feel like you don't want to do that too quickly. There's no real reason to because we're only just meeting her now. Um, but the one who so you'll probably see Mordred at some point if you do get like a standalone Black Knight series, but I don't know that or, or show, whatever movie, whatever. I don't know that we will because obviously, you know, you can maybe you can go do stuff with him and Blade, but then there's another character who I think is even more important in this specific series who we've seen pop up. I've seen pop up twice now. She was in Deadpool on, with Kelly Thompson for the majority of her run if not the entirety of it um and then i see her throughout the majority of this series as well i think maybe three out of the uh, five issues elsa bloodstone who is a mo- redheaded monster hunter total fucking badass um and uh, i think she's very versatile like in terms of how you want to use her you know you could go and make her a villain for maybe some of the characters because we see her have issues with dane pretty quickly in this series and that could become an ongoing thing if you want of course, there's the whole thing with Blade as well, where he's you know a daywalker, he's a vampire. You could have her fight him as well, and still end up kind of turning her into a hero. I know some people get frustrated when they do that with Marvel, but that's a character who like there could easily be a thing with her. Maybe she's not the ultimate big bad, but still a big bad nonetheless, or I mean, still a villain nonetheless. Excuse me, Um, but seeing her pop up twice recently in you know two like Deadpool and Black Knight, as much as there's humor, two very different characters, two like on opposite ends of the world with shit. I could easily see Elsa Bloodstone brought into the MCU. And I'm just like, I'm excited after reading this series about the future of black Knight in the MCU, but I'm also excited about Elsa Bloodstone popping up twice with, um, with two series. Cause I think she'd be a huge asset and with blade coming up. I definitely think you can bring her in.
1: Yeah. I think blade would
0: be a great fit. And I mean, I haven't seen Eternals yet.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I can tell you right off the bat, like I think the only real purpose of it was to allow the MCU to do two things. One, come up with crazy shit and get Mm. away with it because they can use the whole timeline. right? Uh, And two retcon shit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so like, Mm -hmm. okay, that didn't work. Oh, well we can explain it away, you know, because of the eternals because of Dr. Stray. Like, so they're, they're giving themselves some leeway to be a little experimental and to, and do some slightly off the wall things. But they also have like a built in excuse is to say it doesn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. either. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, this would be. Uh, she sounds like she would be a, an absolute tremendous character, and Blade would be the place to do it, mm-hmm. or Morbius, right? Yep. You know,
0: um, you know but I don't think I don't, I, I don't think she's someone we're going to see. I don't think she's a Spider-Man villain whatsoever. I haven't seen a whole lot of Elsa Bloodstone, but what I have, I've really really enjoyed. Well, um, right, but, but you've seen Blade. I mean, like Blade crosses over, right? Like, well, I'm talking about like the, from the Sony Marvel battle. Like, yeah, they're not going mean, go to give. It's them- all going
1: to be owned all under the same umbrella soon anyways like yes I mean, its true it's, you would hope it's,
0: it's so yeah you hope I mean it's so
1: dumb at this point it's, it's blatantly obvious like mm-hmm. money's to be made and people don't like to you know you know people like to make money so they'll they'll, they'll find a way you know what mm-hmm. I mean?
0: Yeah, but I but I do agree that you could absolutely do her with Morbius and any other. When it comes to any monster stuff and like that mystical kind of shit, I'm as much as I say like I'm not coming to Marvel for King Arthur. I still like you know, I still like having that thrown in the mix. I think it's an interesting kind of spin and just monsters in general. I think we're all like I know with West when we're talking about um, the Eternals over on change my mind. It's like when you're starting to bring in like this. um this galactic stuff, this cosmic stuff, it's like, it's a lot to kind of take in. And it's, it's just so like, where does it end? And like, yeah. how do you buy in on some, it? Sometimes it's tougher to, to like attach yourself to these characters. But when it comes to like magic and monsters and everything like that, we all have certain magic and monster stuff that we like. Whether you like vampires and werewolves and that old shit, or you like Lord of the Rings, or like like you and I do, or Harry Potter, like Billy and West do, more so. Like there's there's that was a that was a great episode of Changed My Mind. All timer might be it might be the best one you guys have or, ever done. Um, some, some would say, um, I don't know about me, but some would say that. Um, but and no, but seriously, I, that was uh that was something else. I yeah, I just anyways. Um like everybody likes monster stuff in some capacity. So I, I would love to see and if you're bringing in Blade, I would think he's going to be the centerpiece for all of that. And then you can go and use Dane Whitman in that and Black Knight. And then you can go and use Elsa Bloodstone. And there are probably some others that Well, actually, you could probably do Moon Knight with that too, because he has a whole thing with the werewolf and everything um, where he's first introduced and whatnot. So um, there are definitely a few ways that you can go there. And I'd love to see Marvel kind of do like, You have – yeah, you have this whole cosmic thing that's like really big right now, but we got this other thing kind of going on in the shadows, and we're not talking Black Widow shadows. This is like some deep, dark, in-the-woods shadows, so I'd love to see that. Um, But really at the end of it all, like Joe said, like with his Hawkeye series, it's a great way to get to know the character even more so in the show and direction of everything, what's going to come down the line. With with, uh, Black Knight, Curse of the Ebony Blade, it's a quick, short thing. You get to know the character a little bit more. I, I highly recommend it just for that alone because he's got... it's what What is so funny? What is so funny?
1: There was a great little joke in
0: there. <laughs> oh, are you talking about what Brick said in the chat? Uh, ebony, oh, who let Bert's hub show ebony, on the show? Great
1: Ebony Blade is a great short little whatever it was. <laughs> oh,
0: well, jeez. Okay, nice. Well, you missed it in the end. So good job, Joe. Um, Anyways, but yeah, I seriously... I think that... You know, we don't do Marvel a whole lot, but it's like it, when you get these new characters, this is the best, like, yeah, sure, you can go and do Wikipedia or look on, like, um you know, Marvel's page and get to know these characters, but the best way to get to know them is through these stories. Like, get to know them there first, and then certain things are going like, to, then you can do some research. And for Black Knight, Again, I haven't read a lot of a lot of other stuff, but as I after I read this, did additional research on the character, like this really seemed like a great encapsulation of the character in a perfect way to get introduced um and, and get an idea of what they're gonna do with Kit Harrington down the line. So I'm I'm very excited for what he's gonna bring to the MCU.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And I think this is a fun character to play with. I mean, ultimately, you know, what are the big plans? It's probably not, you know mm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh who knows? Like I said, the Eternals have, have given you know Marvel license now to get a little weird and yeah. kind of go off some beaten paths. So um
0: yeah, you know, yeah, let's let's go with it. I love yeah. it. I love the idea of it. And he can hang with like like Dan Whitman by himself can't hang with anybody, but you throw the ebony blade in his hands, uh he's a tough motherfucker. I'll tell you that right now, he gets picked on a lot, which I'm excited to see that. But he he he's a tough motherfucker. A um, Little tapped, but either way, uh, all right. So this week, I know I've heard it both ways has something special going on. Why don't you inform the people?
1: So we're back, baby. Last week we got you know we we took a little break, uh, but we were back last week with uh, episode ten uh, of season three. This week, Billy and I will be uh, doing something a little special with the Psych movie dropping on Thursday. I'm thinking Ooh. Friday night we might do a little movie recap. Uh, so we're, we got that in the works for the Psych 3 movie. And then uh, we got a little something else going on this week as well, uh, Nick.
0: Okay, nice. Is uh, is Does the Wee One want to get a shot at saying uh, anything on the show before we go? I know she gave her a chance early on. Let's see. Let's okay. see
1: if she can redeem herself.
0: Okay. All right. Here uh, we okay. go. This is I, the, the moment of truth.
1: Smoke the mic off your head, kiddo. Yeah, say yeah, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. Nothing. You got Nothing. Thing? Can you say bye? Can you say TLDR, baby?
0: Okay, no? well, we'll, we'll try right, next then. week. We'll a definitely try next work. week. Uh, I thought we were going to have her fill in for you on Mac and Goo, um, but I guess that's not going to happen today. No,
1: probably not.
0: Yes. But we are going to be doing a uh, little draft with Mac and Goo. We're going to be doing an X-Men draft, actually. And there's some rules that I know Goo will explain uh, much more eloquently than I can um, before we do that show. But if you're listening to us um, on the audio version, of course, this all drops on Wednesday. If you haven't subscribed to our show on Spotify, iTunes. Geeks Worldwide Radio, make sure you go do that because then our interviews, all the, the specials that we do, because I know we haven't done one of those in a while, but we will do those um, in the future when it, when it warrants it. Um, but our mainline episodes too, all of it's going to get delivered right to your phone, right to your tablet, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and also do the same with Mac and Goo. You're going to be able to go and listen to them. Um, but we'll be Live on their show, I believe, around 9 Eastern time. Um, of course, you can watch that on the Dork Shared Gooniverse Facebook page, Mac and Goo's YouTube channel, or over on their Twitter. Um, but that is going to be it for TLDR this week, Joe. Until next time, stay sexy. You
1: know it.